Blog Talk Radio. minute after the hour. Welcome to another edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Kerry Clark with BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and back in the studio, manning the controls, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We are glad to have you with us this week. It is game week. We are just days away from a 2.30 p.m. Central kickoff in the Georgia Dome against the West Virginia Mountaineers. We have a depth chart. It's already changed because of a one-game suspension to a starting linebacker. We have uh, backup offensive linemen pushing for playing time. We have uh, uncertainty at quarterback, uncertainty at cornerback, a man breathing through his mouth on the microphone, and all kinds of other things to talk about tonight, along with a recruit who I believe is going to join us in a few minutes. But, Drew, first of all, breaking news from the Capstone, Trey <laughs> Priest, due to a minor NCAA violation, is not going to play. Uh, against West Virginia, which means Reuben Foster will start. My gut reaction on this is West Virginia throws the ball a lot. Hello, Dylan Lee. Well, you know, it looks like definitely Dylan's going to play inside, Kerry. You know, the team was just told yesterday, according to our sources, that uh, about, you know, about the suspension, they had no idea. So they were just informed yesterday. So it's kind of been a deal where uh, it was kind of unexpected. But he has been hobbled by the knee. He's improved his mobility, but still not 100%. Now that's why you've seen Dylan Lee in the past week, you know, this whole week getting reps at inside linebacker behind Reuben Foster. Looks like Reuben will get his first start next to, you know, Reggie Raglan. So Reuben will be at the mic, Reggie at the wheel. And you'll see Dylan Lee get a lot of time, especially in the nickel and the dime. There was We were a little bit concerned about Dylan being suspended for the game because of a DUI last spring. Obviously, he's, he's paid his pittance, uh, is not going to be suspended, so he will play. Uh, we have been told, as of right now, everyone is traveling, everyone else. Uh, could, that could change, could be some other suspensions. Would not be surprised there. But, again, we will be efforting to uh, confirm that information by Saturday. But uh, just interesting, interesting day so far. And, again, looking forward to Reuben Foster's coming out party, hopefully at 2.30 on Saturday. Andrew, let's not rule out the possibility that the suspensions could be split up and some guys could sit the clock. Oh, at, well, yeah, you know, we, we, last time that happened was uh, Mike Shula uh, several eons ago now, it seems like. He, is, he had to do that, uh, I think, during the 2006 season. So that has happened where they've, uh, you know, staggered the suspensions. So, you know, it, it, nothing would be a surprise at this point. But, uh, again, you know, Jaron Reed, he's been second on the depth chart and sometimes even third. You would have thought he – I still wouldn't be surprised if he misses the football game and may wait to announce that on Saturday. 
but we will see. Uh, as of now, though, what we are hearing is that everyone is traveling to the football game. Except the priest. And, that's, yes. uh, and, and he may even be there in street clothes. Well, yeah, so, he may, uh, since it's an NCAA deal, not an Alabama deal, he may just be in street clothes kind of helping lead Reuben and helping those guys get lined up and everything. Well, for the chat room, ask, I'll ask, do we have any idea what it was? No, not at this point. Uh, we're efforting to find out again. They, they were just told yesterday. So okay. this is just kind of a recent thing. have heard some rumors, but nothing uh, confirmed. Okay. And we don't know with 100% certainty, but I think that the two of us agree that it's about 90% that when the first series of offensive downs comes up, Blake Sims takes the field. We're going to have the premiere of the Blake Cat, and we're going to see you know, what wrinkles the now-confirmed Lane Kiffin on the sidelines will have as he will work closely with the quarterbacks and the receivers. Uh, anxious to see the wrinkles as far as the zone read concepts, because do they continue that? Uh, how are they going to use Blake's mobility? Will they get him outside of the pocket? He's a shorter guy. One, one, the, the worry is still getting the ball vertically down the field, but I do think you're going to see a steady diet of thunder, lightning, and crazy legs. Yes, uh, that's great nicknames for the three running backs from the rotation, and bear in mind that Kenyon Drake will not always line up at running back. Exactly. I'm, I'm really anxious to see what he does. And we have we had we you know we've talked on this show, Kerry, that we we had heard already he would not be suspended because of his, uh, you know, arrest earlier this uh, before fall camp. You know he was he had to do a lot of extra running. Uh, it was considered a minor offense and something that you know just poor judgment, but not a uh, not a not a big enough offense at this point to get him suspended. He, and you kind of get got that idea because he had a very good. He was not limited in the scrimmages like he was last year up to this point. He played a lot and drew the praise of Nick Saban. So he's had a very good fall camp and uh, been the best player really on the field offensively. And looking forward to seeing Kenyon Drake. Drew, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest of the evening, uh, the latest addition to the Alabama football family. I will let you go ahead and bring him in, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. We're honored tonight to be joined by Memphis Whitehaven inside linebacker Joshua McMillan, uh, the 21st commitment uh, to the University of Alabama signing class. He committed last week on August the 22nd, right before his first game, and then went out and played very, very well that night. We'll let him uh, tell us more about that. But, Joshua, man, welcome to BAMS Radio, and we're honored to have you tonight. The uh, call has dropped, but Thomas is uh, getting him back right now. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, let, let's bear in mind, before we even bring him on, that, that Joshua has the ability to play at least three different positions on the Alabama defense, Drew. He, he can play. He can play uh, at the very minimum – two inside linebacker slots and a defensive end slot, and maybe even more than that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a guy that can even, even play Sam. You know, he could drop weight and play Sam because, look, you know, Alabama right now, Saturday, will start someone very similar to his body style at Sam linebacker in Denzel Deval. And also uh, very excited to, to see the debut. Now that he's out of his scout team jersey, you know he's going to play, and that's Rayshon Evans. Uh, from Auburn High School is going to be playing some Sam as well, and you would, would like to see him be a big-time factor as a pass rusher. Okay, Drew, our guest is back, so uh, go ahead and bring him on. You sort of introduced him, but go ahead and reintroduce him while he's on hold. Right, absolutely. We're, we're honored to be joined tonight again by Memphis Whitehaven linebacker Joshua McMillan. Uh, he was the 21st commitment to the Alabama signing class uh, this, past, this past August the 22nd, right before his first game of the season which they played very very well. He played very well as a player. And, again, Joshua, we're, joined, we're honored to be joined by uh, you to join us tonight, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, sir. 
Uh, no problem. Uh, and I guess, first of all, just kind of tell the listeners, you know, we, we gave them a little bit of background on you, but kind of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your height, weight, you know, what position you play, and, uh, and uh, why you chose the Crimson Tide. Uh, my name is Joshua McMillan. You may know I'm 6'4", 245, outside and inside linebacker. Uh Tim Whitehaven High School in Memphis, Tennessee and I chose the Crimson Tide because it was felt like a perfect fit for me. I got down sit, got a chance to sit down with Coach Nick Saban. He talked me over good things about their defense and how they were in great need of a Mike linebacker to call the defense. And I got a chance to talk with Coach Kirby Smart about the whole defensive side of the ball, the plays and everything. They said I was looking at coming in as a freshman player early. So, and then also I went down for an engineering camp, stayed down there for a week, and everything just went fantastic. I was pretty impressed with the whole engineering program. So. Well, yes, and, and Josh, it sounds like you you're extremely advanced academically. I think you you do have a four point two GPA. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I have a twenty eight yes. on ACT. And we'll and we'll and and yeah and uh, and are you going to enroll early or are you going to uh, enroll in the, in the summer? Well, the kind of system we we involved we got involved with another school system this year and there were I didn't okay. meet the new requirements for the school system so I won't be enrolling early. But as soon as I step on campus, hopefully I'll be able to get enrolled in some classes so I can get get myself ahead of the game. Yeah, and I, I and I, I, you can confirm this, but I have heard from good sources that you already. I know you went to the engineering camp, but did you also take some classes this summer to get jump started, or what was the exact details of that? Yes, sir. I, I took an engineering class. I think it was nuclear engineering, but it was online. It was here. We had a STEM program set up up here in Memphis, Tennessee, and I took a class online. So. Kind of already got a head start on everything. Hey, Josh, yeah. this is uh, Kerry from uh, Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com, Scott.com. We do appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, they have this thing every summer that, that travels all around the, the state and the south. It's called Crimson Caravan, and Coach Saban talks to the people in the audience. But before he comes on, uh, Dean Chuck Carr from the School of Engineering comes on and kind of tells about the state of the university, and really dynamic speaker. Did you get a chance to meet him? Yes, sir. Uh, Dean Carr, he was down here with me and my parents went down to an engineering meeting, well, academic meeting. I think it was on August the 18th that they held at Botanic Gardens in, in Memphis. Got a chance to speak with them because every time we we went down to Alabama, he, we, we, he was always out of town. We couldn't get in touch with him. But me and my parents finally got a chance to meet, meet with him and speak with him. And my dad asked his question, so we actually had a good time. Very wise, to, uh, very wise. Oh, yeah, he's he's dynamic speaker. He gets people fired up about the students at Alabama that don't even play football that have high GPAs and high ACTs. And it just seems like a really cool guy. I never actually met him in person, but I've heard him speak four or five times. And, Seems like he made a pretty good impression on you, Josh. Yes, sir. He really did. He really did. And Coach Saban calls him one of his better recruiters whenever he recruits football players like engineering. But, uh, you know, a man got to eat. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, i got to ask you a Memphis question. Uh, Corky's or Rendezvous? Corky's. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> the heck with that dry rub, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. I also got to ask you another restaurant question. Uh, one of my favorite shows to watch on TV is Welcome to Sweetie Pies. And they're based out of St. Louis, but they've been trying to open on Beale Street for like eight or nine months. Did they ever get that thing open, man? I'm not sure. You have to be of age to go down on Bill Street. So. Oh, okay. Uh, well, this is a soul food restaurant. I just, you know, I mean, I tell you what, when it gets open, I'm coming there to eat there. But uh, we, we did there. actually get you on here to talk football, believe it or not. So I'm going to let Drew ask you a couple more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Josh. Well, just first of all, I, I, I know you guys uh, played against Mitchell High School last Friday, I believe. And uh, tell the audience how you, how you played and, you know, the stats you put up and how your team performed. Well, we did very well on the defensive side. The first half, we let them come out in the second half and score a few points, but we were we were held to higher expectations. But I wasn't able to attend the second half. I think I tweaked my hamstring a little bit. But for the first half, I had two sacks and three tackles for a loss, and they kind of had me at defensive end, outside linebacker, trying to rush the quarterback because they were – they were kind of an air raid team, you know, trying to throw the ball right. in the air. So coach wanted me to blitz, blitz around the edge, you know, hold down the run of outside running and everything just in case the quarterback tried to get outside. So Well, yeah, and, and you seem like you're very versatile as a defender. I know Coach Napier did a great job recruiting you. What uh, What is the staff? Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. What have they, have they have they been specific about a position for you defensively, or have they talked about you playing multiple roles? Well, when Coach Kirby Smart put it on the board, he put up maybe four positions I could play it because of my versatility. I think it was the Sam, the Mike, the Will, and the Jack. But mainly, they need a captain on the field, which is the Mike linebacker. So they recruit me as a, a middle linebacker, but I can also play one of the four positions, if needed be. Right. And and talk about your kind of what you, what, do you, what you think your strengths are as a player. Obviously, your football IQ is very high. What are your strengths as a football player right now? Well, my strengths right now, maybe my pass rush and also dropping in coverage and recognizing screens. And I'm like kind of a downhill type of linebacker filling in the hole, so – also, that probably right. a complete linebacker, pretty much. And what do you what do you feel like you need to work on going into this as the season unfolds, and then when you come to Alabama? Well, I have to work work on my speed and maybe man on man coverage, covering the back outside the backfield for maybe wheel routes or anything. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and, and uh, what do you uh, and as far as and now we'll go into kind of your recruitment because I met you at the Spain Park Combine and my my buddy, my friend and I Freddie Kirby were there. You were one of the first guys we talked to and we right right away. But just kind of talk about you know you you, you were very high. Of, you matter of fact, as soon as you left the combine, you went to visit Alabama that night and uh, you talked about your relationship with Billy Napier. Talk about the job he did recruiting you and your relationship with him. Well, he actually did a fantastic job recruiting me. I know once, once that once Alabama University of Alabama star recruited me, he actually visit visited my school maybe three or four times in one month. Uh, first time he took a trip up there, he kind of 
introduced himself to me, saying that they were looking at me, recruiting me, and it was just a process that, process that they were going through when they were recruiting the linebackers or any other players. And, you know, they just don't give out offers every day. And he came, actually came back up and visited me maybe the next week, checking on me, making sure I got, um, took the ACT, trying to see if I wanted to take it again and everything, maybe get a higher test score. And, you know, he was just te- checking in with me on grades and how I was doing physically. And then maybe around the third time he visited, he said, it was, he told me it was a little process that they would go through, but he said he think it's about that time. And he put me on the phone with Coach Saban and spoke with him, and then I received my official offer. And then maybe the yeah. fourth time, I think Coach Saban actually came up with him. And they mm-hmm. we bumped into each other, and so he just did a fantastic so, job recruiting. Well, and talk about uh, I'll let Kerry uh, chime in next, but talk about your relationship with Nick Saban. Of course, he's going to be very centric in coaching you. He's a defensive oriented guy, and he does a great job of recruiting, and also with the with your with the families. How is uh, the, your relationship and your family's relationship with Nick Saban? Uh, the relationship is great. My dad. He asked him, was he a Christian man? And Nick Saban just straight up told him, yes. He said, he, he doesn't fear, he's a fearing God man. You know, he goes to church every Sunday and he, uh, has a program set up for um, for the players to be able to go to church. So my dad is comfortable with him. I got my mom down, sit, sit down, talk with him. They, we did a video chat. We've spoken with him various times, so I think my relationship is good with him. He's a very straightforward man. He knows what to say it and when to say it, and you know he just—he's—I feel like I can follow him if need be onto the field because I know he will lead me in the right direction. So I feel like he's a great Gosh, man. I gotta, and he is, and I, I want to ask you one one other question. Um, something I ask every defensive player we bring on the show, and it, it would be unfair if I didn't ask you. Looking back at your varsity career at Whitehaven, uh, can you remember maybe the hardest lick you ever put on somebody in a game? The hardest lick? I have to maybe say on a part return, may, um, I was actually defending. My team was receiving a ball, and I was trying to block. And I was coming around the corner and cracked one guy and knocked him into two or three other people. So, and we actually scored the touchdown on that play. But, yeah, it was my sophomore year Hamilton game. So, yeah, that had to be the hardest hit. Our uh, producer wanted us to ask you um, – what exactly, what part of engineering that you're interested in? What specific engineering? Aerospace engineering. Well, Drew's up there in Huntsville. He might be able to hook you up with a job. After you <laughs> yeah, after there's you no doubt. <laughs> <man. laughs> if he's going to major in aerospace engineering, he will have no problem getting a good job uh, after he hopefully plays in the NFL, because I know that's the first goal. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I, I just want to find out from Josh. I mean, what uh, what ultimately? I know uh, Coach Napier did a great job as Coach Saban. What ultimately uh, led you to choose Alabama? And with your, I know uh, Alabama's had some success recruiting Memphis over the years. 
Um, I believe Curtis Alexander uh, came from your high school years ago, uh, running back. But just kind of a, kind of talk about you know what ultimately led you to decide to choose the Tide. Well, the ultimate decision was when I came for my last and final visit, and I actually got a chance to talk with one of the players. I had a chance to talk to Denzel Duvall. He was a linebacker kind of type of my fit, 6'2", right. maybe 230, 2'12", 2'50", now. But from kind of from the same background I came from with both parents in a home, great athlete, great scholar, and – he was kind of talking with me over how he, he decided on picking his school. It was between two schools, just like it was with me. And we we got a chance to sit down. He spoke very highly of Nick Saban and his recruiter at the time. And he got a chance to talk with my parents. And I was just very impressed of how he spoke of Nick Saban and his recruiter. And he led me on to think that he he was in good hands and they they take that took and care taking care of him very well. So I felt like if it was a good home for him, maybe it'll be a good home for me also. And then the other aspects fell in fell into place afterwards because I engineering program I have my major aerospace engineering, maybe the top fifty in the country. They're selling place, and with them being linebacker university for NFL, you know, it felt good also. Well, and, and I guess to close out the interview, Josh, and again, we really appreciate you joining us on BAMS Radio tonight. What is uh, your ultimate goal for yourself this season and for your football team? Well, for my football team, service is to win the state championship. We went nine and three last year, and we went. We fell a little short, but this year, my senior year, I'm trying to go all the way, lead my team to another state title. Then for myself, you know, I think I I've been blessed by the Lord enough, so I'm not too selfish on those type of goals. You know, just be the best defensive end and linebacker in the country I can be. That's all I can hope and pray for. Well, we appreciate you joining us tonight, uh, Joshua. And, and when you get down there, if you haven't looked him up yet on your visits, he he works in the weight room and uh, has been to Alabama since he retired from the NFL. But he's a guy from your hometown, uh, Kendall Moorhead. You need to check. You need to look him up, and he'll keep you on the straight and narrow, my man. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us tonight, Joshua McMillan, and uh, we'll keep we, we want to we'll touch base with you during your season, see how everything's going for you. But we uh, again, thanks for joining us, and uh, great job on the interview tonight. Roll Tide, bud. Roll Tide. All right. Thanks, Joshua. Have a good one, brother. You too. That was good stuff. And uh, you know, Drew, I hope you learned a lesson from that interview. Uh, what, Joshua. What's that? Joshua has met the kid in person, and he knows how to say the word Duvall. Okay, Duvall. Okay. Duvall. No Not more eval. eval. Duvall. Doesn't Duvall. rhyme with eval. <laughs> Duvall. You sound like some damn Cajun lost in a swamp somewhere. Oh, eval. He made a good play now for us. Well, he is a Cajun. But he says it, Duvall. I'm telling you, Saban says Duvall. You heard him. He met the kid in person. Duvall. Duvall. Not Tennessee. Okay. Duvall, but Duvall. Okay. Duvall. 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 Say it again, Drew. Duvall. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Sure. I knew you could. Ben Rogers here. Uh, that was a good interview, though. Uh, that was. Uh, and, very well-spoken. Uh, very very well-spoken. And you know what? The well-spoken ones, uh, for the most part, with one, one minor exception, seem to be the most loyal commitments, Drew. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we had two out of the three flips that we've had, no yeah. names, but those two guys, we could have locked in a hotel for three years and we still have war in the world, and we still have world hunger. Well, and I guess that means you're going to have a change in your Friday night lights uh, schedule there, Kerry. How's that? Well, I don't think you'll be going to Tucker. No, I'm not going to that. Uh, that that has become a bye week. But you know what? I still I already had one Georgia trip planned. Yeah. Uh, do you know the last time I went to Georgia, I saw Jamal Lewis play? So it's been a while. Oh, wow. It's been a while. Uh, and, and I mean for a high school football game, not Georgia. Right. But that, it's been a long time, and uh, well, heck, they, Gary, they actually played in in Newton, a city near and dear to your heart, Drew. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that was a that was a, a while back when when Jamal was a senior at Douglas in Atlanta, and, and Alabama had a shot, and he ended up going to Tennessee, and the rest is history. But uh, I am still going to the Gainesville Lanier game, uh, right? Not just because my nephew James Clark is a starting long snapper for Lanier, but because right. his uh, teammate, a year younger than him, Derek Brown, has what we think is a committable Alabama offer. So I'm going to evaluate Derek and cheer on James at the same time. And I'm told, I haven't confirmed this 100%, but I'm told the quarterback for Gainesville is Blake's younger brother. Oh, yeah. That, and, hey, if he, if he gets off to a hot start, you know, that whole city will be buzzing, especially if you show up in Bama gear. <laughs> okay, and we have a caller on hold that patiently waited through the interview with uh, – with Josh McMillan. So let's go ahead and bring on Jocelyn from the Quad Cities in North Alabama. How are you doing, young lady? I'm doing well. Roll Tide, how are y'all doing? Roll Tide. Tide. We're good. We're ready for the game. Yes. I hear you. I'm ready, too. What's going on tonight? You You got a question for our illustrious host tonight? Yes, I do. And this goes back to um, the quarterback situation. Are we uh, 100% for sure who um, – do we know for, for a fact who's going to be the starting quarterback for Sun, for Saturday's game? Not for a fact, but we're about 95% sure of it's Blake Sims. Uh, but Coach Saban keeps emphasizing that the person that starts is not always the guy that plays the whole game. So we have a gut feeling that it will kind of be like uh, three years ago when Phillip Sims and A.J. were kind of splitting time. Uh, right. But yes, we're about 95% sure that the first time the offense goes out this Saturday is going to be Blake. Okay. Cause I, that don't um, mean I that's going to be the same person. I'm sorry, right. go ahead. I had somebody the other day tell me that um, that if Coker, they're making a statement on Coker, they said that if he was as, as good as people thought they would, as people thought that he was, and he would have been the starter quarterback. But then I've heard people say that he was supposed to be better than A.J. and McElroy. So, In some things, he is. But the thing with Jake is, number one, he didn't get to go through spring training because uh, somebody in Tallahassee told him the wrong course to take, so he didn't graduate in December like he was hoping to. Which uh, is huge. Yeah. If he had gone through spring, it might be a different story. But the second thing is, because, uh, you know, he's still learning the offense. But yeah. the second thing, and, and maybe the most important thing, uh, Jocelyn, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but 
even after he takes the snap from the center, Jocelyn, the quarterback is dropping back and the play is underway. He still has to look at certain things that the defense is doing or not doing, where they are, where they're not, and he has to realize that he may not need to throw the ball to the person he was going to throw it to when they call the play. He may need to throw it to somebody else because of what the defense is dictating. And uh, Jake is not doing that as fast as, as they want him to right now. Jay Barker was exactly the same way, and he got a little bit better at it every year. But at the same time, it, it kept – they call it having slow eyes. They kept – it kept Jay from ever really playing in the National Football League. That's why he ended up playing in Canada. But uh, that is something that Jake is just going to only get better with with repetition. That being said, uh, a few years ago, the one year that Coach Kiffin was at Tennessee as head coach, he took a quarterback in Jonathan Crompton, who before the season started was no better than Spencer Pennington from Alabama – and he made him into one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the SEC for that one year he had him. So I think that the best way to say it, Jocelyn, is that Jake is a very good player, but he's a work in progress comes to reading the defenses, especially after the snap, and he's a work in progress when it comes to learning everything about the Alabama offense that he did get a chance to learn back in spring training. And Blake's been playing it. Uh, he played running back for a little while at Alabama, but he's been playing quarterback three years now almost three years, and he knows the plays, and he knows the offense, and he knows where the ball is supposed to go. Uh, Does he always get it there? No. But Coker is still competing for the job, and they haven't made a final decision. I'll tell you when we'll really know, Jocelyn, is when we play Florida. I I agree with Kerry 100%. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, Jocelyn, the way I look at it is, is as far as, you know, A.J. and and, uh, McElroy – I would say Jake has better physical tools from an arm standpoint, mobility and size. But again, most of the quarterback is from the head up. He just has to get better mentally with the offense. But he's already pushing, you know, uh, Blake a lot. And like Kerry said, both of them are going to play. And hopefully by Florida they'll have it figured out. But I am anxious to see how uh, Blake Sims reacts as far as uh, in a real game and uh, as a starter. And, you know, what wrinkles they use. Are they going to use the zone read, or, which I think they will? You know, how are they going to utilize his talent, get him outside of the pocket because he's a shorter guy? Everyone is worried about the vertical passing game for good reason. But if he can throw the ball well vertically, you know, he can, he can take the ball and run with it. He's a great athlete. And, just, and the thing that you love about Blake is he stayed. Most kids would not have. He, he moved from safety to running back, back to QB. And he stayed with the program and has been a leader and a good a good guy, never been in any trouble. So you just hope for his sake that he can he can uh, take advantage of the opportunity because he has earned it. And so we'll see what happens on Saturday. Okay. Other than that, roll tide. Yeah, absolutely. Roll tide. And 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 when you hear stuff about quarterbacks and all. Don't don't listen to Daniel. Come on, call in and ask us the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard me. Do what? When you said somebody was telling me, I'm thinking, yep, that's Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> did you say I hurt you? No, no, I heard said, you. Did you. Did you hear me? Like you heard, heard. me. You heard oh. me. You hear oh. me. I heard that. <laughs> Uh, well, and Josh, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think this is the most anticipated opener in a while, even more so than Kent State. 
when Sims and McCarron fought it out. I think everybody's wanting uh-huh. to see how, how much Blake Sims has improved. Uh, you know, the, the lasting impression everybody, most everybody's had is of the A-Day game, so they're terrified in a, in a way. But, again, you know, Jake Coker, not, most have not seen a whole lot out of him either except for the stuff from FSU. So we're, it's going to be very interesting to see how much they both play and how, how long a leash they give Blake. Hopefully they're going to get off to a fast start, but I will say this without certainty, or I mean with certainty, excuse me, that you're going to see a lot of the running game early, and you're going to see a heavy dose of Yeldon, Henry, and uh, Kenyon Drake. I can't wait. I think um, I, I think it's going to be, I agree with y'all, I think it's going to be interesting, but also a great year, too, once we you know, figure out um, for sure who's going to be the um, quarterback for the team. Oh, yes. Because we've got, uh, and we I, and got I, we've got so much talent. I mean, Nevin's got, you know, a lot of power, you know, a lot of key players and everything. So. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And I think it's interesting that Coach Saban – confirmed something tonight uh, at his press conference that, you know, everybody kind of felt like probably would happen based upon what you saw in the spring game and during the, in, in the, in the fall, but that Lane Kiffin's going to be on the sideline to work closely with the quarterbacks and the receivers and uh, communicate with those guys and not be up in the box. Most of his offensive coordinators have been up in the box, but Lane Kiffin is going to be down on the sideline, so we'll see what kind of effect that has. Yeah. Have we had an offensive coordinator on the sideline since Mal under Stallings? I don't remember one. I think that was the last time. They've always been in the press box. It's a really interesting announcement tonight about that. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jocelyn, we appreciate you calling. Good All friends. Uh, any call. other questions? Uh, that's it for tonight. Well, I appreciate right, it. Go. And uh, roll tide, my friend. Yep, check back Rota. with us next week, Gotham. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Rota. All right, you're welcome, Rota. That's old Jocelyn, our friend from uh, what they call the Quad Cities over there in the 256, the other part of the 256 from Drew. But uh, <laughs> we don't, you know what? I know we don't never have no callers from the, the 334. I, I've, <laughs> I've asked Big C to call in tonight, uh, and yeah. I don't know if he will. He, he's supposed to call at 9, but knowing him, he'll doze off in his chair or something. But he's about the only caller that I know of that we've even had from the 334. We've had a ton from the 256 between Gadsden and, you know, which is Marty and yep. King Crimson and, you know, the uh, the Sheffield area, which is Jocelyn and, of course, Drew, one of the hosts from Huntsville. And, uh, you know, and then from the 251, you know, we have Thomas working hard down there. And uh, Jimmy Stein has called us from there and probably will again next week. But in the 205, you have me and then uh, the guy that we call uh, uh, William. <laughs> he lives here, Bird. 205. Uh, the 334 is, uh, I don't know what's up with that, man. The 334 needs to step it up here on BAM's radio. I don't care where you're at in the 334. Montgomery, Greenville, Prattville. Uh, hell, I don't care if you're in Lee County. Call BAM's radio. Call BAM's radio and talk some football with the host. And uh, I would like to take the opportunity to put that number out to call BAMS Radio. That number is 714-510-3707. I repeat, 714-510-3707. That's the hotline for BAMS Radio to call in and ask any questions you might have. Uh, Because if you don't, uh, it's just going to be Drew and me and Thomas talking the rest of the time. And... uh, (laughs) 
Speaking of which, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, I, I think this is as good a time as any to let uh, Thomas go ahead and start on his West Virginia preview. Oh, yeah, I've been waiting on that. this, man. Uh, me and Drew are going to shut up a little while and let the talk because the producer produces some of the best radio scouting reports you will ever hear. So uh, Good stuff. he claims he's screening a caller, but I find that to be hard to, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's probably going to be some cursing Auburn fan again. So, Thomas, if you're ready, why don't you go ahead and uh, start off with your West Virginia scouting report, young man. Or not. I guess he really is screening the caller. So <laughs> when the back chat uh, that we look at on Skype tells us who that is, we'll go ahead and bring the caller on. But, uh yeah. Drew, uh, I think we probably have broken down the, the quarterback situation uh, as as deep as as we possibly can. Absolutely. So why don't why don't we move on to the offensive line? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that the offensive line that starts this Saturday will be the one that starts against Florida. How about you? Not not yet. Uh, I think that Leon Brown and Dominic Jackson are going to have something to say about it, uh, especially Leon. Uh, I think they were very confident he would have won the right guard position if he had not had the foot injury. But Shank Taylor, Alphonse, uh, the redshirt sophomore, has had a, a good fall camp, been very solid, uh, took advantage of that situation, and then the high ankle sprain of Dominic Jackson. Uh, Dominic is basically becoming your utility guy. Uh, he's worked you know, at right guard, left guard, and then both tackle positions, everywhere but center. Uh, this week he has worked. Uh, at all three, basically, and they're in the last week and a half. Uh, right, back up right guard, back up left guard, and then back up left tackle. And he's been at right tackle recently, so he's. Uh, they're having him learn a lot of positions. He's got a lot of power. They think he's going to really help, uh, and I think he's uh, going to be a good player for Alabama. He has had some issues with, uh, you know, pass protection, but Leon Brown did last year at the start of his career, and. I think the bottom line is is that uh, both of them, that Leon developed into a good player by the end of the year. I think Deval will, I mean, uh, Deval, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, and I meant, what I meant to say was Dominic Jackson, but I think Dominic Jackson will also be a very solid player, especially by the end of the season. But uh, I think that Leon is going to continue to, pr- to push Shank. I would not be surprised if Leon was the starter at right guard by Florida. He'll he'll probably get uh, some reps against West Virginia, I would think. But looking forward to see how Shank uh, uh, plays. They've gone with that rock-solid five pretty much throughout fall camp. So those guys should be getting some chemistry together. They've been together on the field a lot. And that means a lot, uh, you know, offensively. And I think one underrated uh, – uh, a fact that I, I want to see or a player that I want to see uh, as far as an aspect of the football team is I want to see how much playing time at tight end Dakota Ball gets. Um, you know, Brian Fogler has been a little mixed up, but I think he's getting healthy now. But I want to see how much uh, – because uh, I know Coach Kiffin's going to go with a lot of two tight end sets, and they want Dakota Ball to be a road grader at blocker, and hopefully he can help them with a perimeter running game because that was off and on last year because Vogler was inconsistent. And uh, another guy that worked at both tackles this week on the number right. two unit, uh, but I feel like is is really close to to making a solid contribution. Grant Hill. Oh yeah, you know he Grant Hill very familiar with him. I did all his high school games, and he's worked at center. He worked at center in the spring. Now he's worked at both tackle spots. He's had a little work at guard, but I think he's another swing guy. He and Dom Jackson that they think is really going to help. They want to develop depth, so because a lot of times you'll have injuries and people get nicked up on the O line. And so you can kind of plug guys in. 
But I think they've got some – they're developing some depth, and I think that's big, some guys that they're confident in. I've been, I've been happy. There was a couple of snap exchanges, uh, problems with him in the second scrimmage, but I think Bradley Bozeman has done a solid job at center because a lot of people thought that might be Grant Hill coming into fall camp because Grant spent a lot of time at center in the spring. But Bradley moved over there and has played some guard as well and done a solid job. So I think they're finally you know, developing some depth on their O-line, which is the competition will make them better. And I think the O-line will be uh, better this season. But really interested to see, once the lights come on, Kerry, uh, the performance of uh, left tackle Cameron Robinson. That's exactly right. And we'll get more in-depth on that in a few minutes. But right now we have another caller on hold. One of our newest callers, but we're glad to have him back tonight. Jared from Southside. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Jared, what's going on, man? Oh, just trying to figure out what's going to happen Saturday. I hear you. I hear you. Well, the thing is, is um, I, uh, I hate to see that, you know, even though it's just something minor that Trey DePriest, you know, uh, just I hope we don't see, I hope that's the only suspension we see this season and, you know, he just learns from his mistake and just, Moves on, but anyway, about recruiting, um, I saw that we have a possible chance of flipping a player from Florida, and uh, also uh, KJ Hill, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Um, where, uh, where do you think? Uh, where do you think he'll end up on Friday? Well, with KJ Hill, I believe he's going to end up being an Arkansas Razorback. He's announcing it is high school at 6 p.m. on Friday. I think that's the time I've read. Um, I guess right before his game. I think he's going to be in front of uh, 90% hog folks. <laughs> I think that's why he's doing it. Um, I think Alabama did a good job recruiting him, but, you know, we reported this at Alabama Intel earlier in this week, and Kerry will vouch for this on uh, as far as he saw the tweet. Based upon the performance this past Friday night, and then he, I thought he was, from the reports I got, he was very good at all three of Alabama's elite camps and, and clocked four fours in the 40. But I'm telling you, Keith Mixon is a guy to watch. Alabama needs a slot guy. He had 160 yards of receiving, and including the game-winning TD uh, from, from Shades Valley. He, he's a guy that can be a slot guy, and Alabama is becoming very interested in him. And it would all but lock up Deron Payne. They're already in very good position with him. But if you flip a guy like Mixon, it's absolutely over. And I think Mixon's worth taking. Kerry and I have talked about that. And uh, I think that I'm not sure that Alabama I like, they like KJ Hill, but I'm not sure that they're completely pushing for him. I think Hill will be a hog. And the one you're talking about from Florida is Adonis Thomas, who will be visiting the Georgia Dome to watch Alabama play. He chose the Gators a few weeks ago over Alabama. Saban did a great job recruiting him, and Kirby Smart really likes him. They want to add one more linebacker to the class, and so he and his mother chose the Gators but he's still taking visits, and he will be in the Georgia Dome watching Bama and West Virginia. Okay, well, what is that? does that have anything to do with Daryl Williams? I mean, are we still have a chance to flip him as well? or we're gonna well, at least It's going to kind of be a cho- choice. They're not going to take both guys, uh, Jared. They're, they're gonna, they're, what they're going to do, they're going to take one more linebacker. And I, I really believe Adonis is higher than him on the board, though I think they're doing in the recruiting business with Darrell Williams something called keeping you warm. I think they're keeping up the communication with Darrell. He's someone they're interested in. I saw him play live this past Saturday morning in the scorching heat uh, against uh, uh, the Miami Central uh, uh, Rockets. And uh, he he did not have his best game. But, of course, most of the game plan was really kind of strange, even though they ran a lot of Wildcat. Darrell 
did a was dropping back in coverage on uh, almost every other snap. You know, he, they put him out wide, dropped him back in coverage. He moves very well in space, but he only had one tackle, two or three others in the open field. So it was a little bit hard to get a gauge on him, even though you could see he was athletic. He didn't do a whole lot. Christian Bell was had a nice he was game. All, he had six tackles. He, was a, uh, he had a sack, and uh, he had a pressure. He, he played very hard the whole game. He pursued sideline to sideline, and I was very impressed with him. But, again, Darrell did not do a whole lot. I thought Jeremiah Moon as a junior uh, looked a little more active than Darrell. He had a few tackles, a pass deflection, had a special teams uh, tackle. So I felt like J- J- uh, J- uh, J- Jeremiah Moon is someone to watch in the 2016 class for Alabama. Very long arm and very nice frame for a linebacker. That's cool. Well, thanks so much. It's a good show and everything. I know y'all got to get to y'all's next caller, and um, I just want to ask a few things, and um, thanks so much. No problem, and I'll, man. I'll, and uh, I guess I'll, y'all have a good night. You Thank you, Jared. Good to hear from you, brother. Thank you, Jared. Thank Jared you. from Southside, one of our newest callers here on BAMS Radio, a very well-informed caller. And, Drew, one guy, before we swap over to Thomas, one guy you didn't mention, but I know you'd like to talk about him, uh, and it looked like there was some good and some bad from him Saturday. Talk about what you noticed from 2016 cornerback P.J. Hall of Hoover. Well, I thought he was pretty solid in coverage. He got beat deep a couple of times, but luckily did not give up. He did give up one catch, but he was in perfect position on that one. Uh, just a great play. He was trying to cover Devontae Phillips, who's one of the best 2015 wide receivers in, the, in America. Former Florida commitment. A lot of people think he's going to end up at Florida State now. Uh, very, very solid, uh, well-built kid. Missed a lot of the second half with cramps, and that was Phillips. But Hall did not. He was hydrated. He stayed in the game. Uh, he returned punts as well. He had about three or four tackles. He had an interception near the end of the first half. And, again, the only two times I really saw him get beat were a couple times deep, but they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they, they only were able to complete one of them. And, again, he was, he was still in perfect position on one of those two. Got beat deep badly once, but, again, uh, they didn't complete the pass. Overthrew it by just a few inches. And uh, I thought P.J. competed. He's a little smaller than I thought he would be. But, again, I thought he, he looked like a good football player. He's someone that will be on Alabama's radar and will get a lot of D1 offers. He took the loss very hard. I spoke to him after the, the game. He was basically in tears because, I mean, look, Hoover, this doesn't happen often. I mean, they'd, they'd won 30 games in a row, and they, and they made a great comeback. I mean, they were down 21-7. to looked like they were dead in the water in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, put two drives together. You know, uh, Hutchinson really struggled at QB most of the game, but he did get sacked like seven times. But, again, you know, they did a nice, he did a nice job battling. He hit the one throw to bracket for about a 46-yard TD, and then they were able to pop the, uh, the third down run because they did a very good job slowing down the running game. They won the game up front in the OL and DL, and, uh, you know, the Braderick Shaw was held to like 69 yards rushing, 70 yards and uh, one TD on, like, 18 carries. So he had to earn every yard he got. So, you know, at Miami Central, you had to tip your cap. And then Hoover's – I don't know what it is about place kickers at Hoover, but they seem to struggle with that, and they missed a short field goal carry early uh, when they got to the three-yard line after a block punt, and it really came back to haunt them. It did. I, did uh, I was not man enough to brave the heat like you and John Garcia, but I did watch the entire game on TV. Uh, I always saw bits and pieces of the second game, but I – I certainly was uh, blown away by the quarterback, Clay Chartwell, the young time starter. Yeah, Pegram, he played very, very well and uh, was a dual-threat guy, threw the ball well, ran the football. The one that I really liked was Tyrell West. He's kind of on the small side but very quick, and he's a slot guy, running back. You can put him at receiver. T.J. Simmons, very tall, 6'2", 
made some plays on some runs and, and catching the football. I'm not sure how fast he is, though. I'm not sure if he's you know fast enough to be elite, but he's uh, he's in the Brian Clark mold and then the young man from two years ago that went to Vanderbilt. And so they've had some big receivers at Clay. But I really liked West a lot. And then Pegram, he's too short probably to be a QB on the big-time level, but it can be a very, very thorn-in-your-side QB on the high school level. Yep, good analysis. All right, well, one of the favorite segments of the BAMS listenership the last couple of years has been when Thomas Watts, our executive producer, takes to the microphone and breaks down the opponent for Alabama that week. And he has uh, done his due diligence on the West Virginia Mountaineers, couch burning and all, uh, quarterback kissing Saban's daughter at age six and all. He's ready to talk to us now about the offense, defense, and special teams of our opponent this week, uh, West Virginia. Thomas Watts, take it away, kind sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Drew, are you there? Yeah, I'm there, man. I think we've lost Thomas. Okay. Now. Well, I don't know what happened there, but uh, he is uh, going to be rejoining us shortly. Uh, getting back to what we were talking about before Jared called on the offensive line, um, I, I really feel like that between Grant Hill, Dominic Jackson, and uh, even Leon Brown, I, I think he might have, I'm not saying two complete lines, but I think you might even have a seven- or eight-man rotation this year, keeping everybody fresh. Oh, yeah. you talking about on the defensive line? Offensive line. Oh, offensive line? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I think they want to, you know, they want to develop depth, which they've been trying to do. Uh, lately, they've only been playing six, seven, sometimes eight, but really it's more like seven guys. You know, I think they've got a chance to at least have eight or nine. I agree with you there because you've got, the uh, the situation with the Grant, Grant Hill, they're gaining confidence in him. Dominic Jackson and Leon Brown being back from injury. And then I think even Brandon Green. Brandon Green's worked at tackling guard. He's somebody else that they're gaining more confidence in. Bradley Bozeman. I think they're, and this is a good thing, I think they're close to having two complete lines that they like. And that is always a good thing for depth. Uh, well, we're going to try this again. I believe Thomas is ready now to begin his uh, – Breakdown of West Virginia. So, Thomas Watts, take it away. Okay, can you hear me now? Are we good? Yes, no? Barely. Barely, you have, yes. Can you up your volume a little bit? All right, hold on. Game's up. And that's up. Is that better? Sorry, guys, we're having to do some live stuff. I had to do some new things to uh, fix the uh, fix everything for the show. All right, am I good now? Can you hear me, or am I still too quiet? Uh, it's a little better. Uh I know the game, but did you try the actual volume? Let's just do this. My cell phone's connected. I'll talk through that because I've got way too much going on my computer. Now we can hear you. Now we got you. Just, okay. just keep keep talking in that authoritative <laughs> voice. So we're going Drew and I are both going to mute our mics, and we're going to listen to you break down uh, West Virginia. If you need a breath, you can ask one of us a question. No problem. Go, Thomas. Go. Fans, we're having to do some new stuff for Skype. But anyway, let's talk West Virginia. Uh, I'm going to structure this. I want to go over the defense first because West Virginia does some very interesting things there. Then I'll go offense. Then I'll go special teams. It'll just, you know, normal progression. But, again, let's start with the defense. Particulars, there are seven returning starters on defense for West Virginia, but the starting cornerback, Ishmael Icky Banks, you've probably heard that name, he's been suspended for the first four games, including Alabama, So he won't be there. So 
technically there will only be six returning starters on defense, that could really have an outsized effect on this game because he's played in 36 games and he started in 16. So that's a lot of experience to, get, to leave that unit. Now, the thing that I, I'm going to find interesting, I think fans will find interesting, and something that I had to figure out on my own is the defense that West Virginia runs. West Virginia runs what's called a 3-3-5 defense. For fans that are familiar with Alabama's nomenclature, a 3-3-5 is a take on the nickel defense. But as opposed to having the five, the five corners and then the three linemen and the three linebackers, they, the teams arrange it differently. 3-3-5 is also called a 30-stack. And the reason it's called that is if you see the base 3-3-5 defense drawn out on paper, the linebackers line up literally right behind the certain offensive linemen. The fifth defensive back can be, it's called a spur. If, if during the telecast you hear the term spur, that's the hybrid defensive back outside linebacker. That's that fifth guy in the secondary. But what the 30 stack does is it's a motion-based chaos defense. It was originally invented, uh, Grantland has a great article on this, so, and I'll just give you the cliff notes. It was originally invented by Charlie Strong, adapting it from a defense that he saw when he coached under Lou Holtz in Notre Dame, to try and equalize personnel. It's evolved to get more speed on the field. But unfortunately, for more speed, you lose a lot of bulk. We're just going to hit you with some quick numbers. The the two, the two starting defensive ends are 244 and 290, and the nose tackle is sub-300 pounds. No one else on the starting defense is over 230. So at the end of the day, if I see how Alabama is going to counter this, I wanted to bounce off Drew's point. Uh, I really think that going big with a couple of tight ends is going to cause all kinds of problems for this defense, whether it's mashing in the run game or – I would be interested to see if Ty Florne Smith and OJ Howard, they kind of they use plays much like the Patriots did when they had Gronkowski and Hernandez. Now, West Virginia will be able to cover that, but you're putting a lot of stress on that defense. And going back to the idea of the chaos theory that I brought up, it's a chancy defense. It's a risky defense. It's, at the end of the day, you cannot out do skill with trickeration, at least with this defense, because it has been around for almost 15 years. So you'll see a lot of slants, and when I mean slants, I mean the defensive line choosing to hit a gap at a 45-degree angle, either left or right, based off of what the coaches see. You'll see a lot of stunts. Uh, one of the comments that I read as I was researching it is, it's very hard to prepare for because it is so chaotic, particularly in terms of blocking scheme. So if you're a glass-half-full kind of guy, and I admit in terms of Alabama football, I am, I don't think there could be a better chemistry-building experience for the Alabama offensive line going into this game because the preparation is completely different. I think, like I said, the Alabama offense, I said in the back chat, and I'll say it here, I legitimately think Alabama doesn't have to pass the ball and they would win 
over West Virginia. Uh, they don't have anything resembling a decent defense. In total defense, they were like 102, and rush defense, they were in the 90s. It was it was bad. This was a team that if you watched them, they wouldn't beat you with defense. They would try and run two minutes off the clock before you scored a touchdown. Baylor's offense last year dropped 70 on them, and it's just, it's just completely out of whack in terms of defensive statistics. And one more time to repeat myself, this defense is built to stop Big 12 spreads. What happens when you run into what amounts to a pro a power set? It's not going to do as well. It's just it's part of the trade-off you make when you decide to defend that way. So well, let's let's jump to offense real quick because offense is is in a real interesting spot. Like I said, uh, there are seven returning starters on offense, but there's a little caveat to that. And the caveat is the left guard, Quentin Spain, has the most starts. He has 25 starts. But only one other person, halfback Cody Clay, has been starting for over a year. So you're not going to get a group of guys that's been playing together for three and four years that have been, quote-unquote, in the trenches, and so they know what it takes to beat an SEC team or beat a good team, et cetera, et cetera. So it, offensively, there's not this, this bevy of experience. Now let's talk about what West Virginia does on offense. West Virginia last year was number 34 in pass, uh, uh, pass, uh, pass, yeah, passing offense. excuse me. But they only averaged 6.77 yards per attempt which, just to give you an idea, Florida State at 14 was 10 yards per attempt. Bowling Green was 9.22 at 31. So they do a lot of dinking and dunking. Alabama fans need to prepare themselves for the fact that West Virginia is going to move the ball because what they're going to do is they're going to dink and dunk down the field. It's going to be a lot of frustrating first downs and the dink and dunk is going to negate a lot of the pressure schemes that Alabama is looking for. Now, me personally, again, I think this is a great chemistry-building opportunity for the defensive line because I can live with the defense giving up some points in this game. I think they're going to. I could see two or three touchdowns very easily. But what I'm looking for is the ability to be gap sound. What is gap sound? If you ever looked at an offensive line, there are obviously gaps between each guy. Each gap has a certain name, and when you're rushing, you have a rush lane. The rush lanes, in many cases, correspond to gap numbers. To be gap sound is to not over-pursue. When I say over-pursue, just kind of put it, get a picture in your head. You've got an outside rusher. The offensive tackle doesn't necessarily have to stop the rusher, the outside rusher just has to get pushed around the pocket. When you're gap sound, you don't let that happen. As opposed to free rushing up the field, you kind of turn the nose guard or the two guards in the center into a fulcrum, and you just bend the pocket around the quarterback. So the quarterback can't escape and make do with his mobility. That's what I'm looking for in the Alabama defense this go-around. That I, again, I think they're going to move the ball. I think they're going to do well. But if for some reason they decide to run the ball, I think they're going to get completely stoned. They're breaking in a new running back. His name, well, not new, a uh, new starter. His name is Dreamius Smith. 
he averaged 4.8 yards a carry and had 494 yards, but their their previous starter, Charles Sims, left. So running against the Alabama defense, even with the spread, is going to be a tall order. And I'm sorry, I didn't say this. West Virginia runs a pass-based spread. A lot of dinking and dunking, and then they'll hit you with runs. Now, mentioning passing, there is no Amari Cooper on this team. You're not going to see an Amari Cooper-level talent from West Virginia. They have a bunch of guys that have played a a bunch of snaps. Mario Alford returns, and he was their leading receiver with 27 catches for 552 yards. He was a big play guy. Looking at their two deep, they have multiple returning starters at wide receiver, so this just kind of feeds into the theory that West Virginia will move the ball in Alabama. Not a bad thing, probably to be expected. Now, talking about the quarterback, obviously, if you've been on the Internet today, you have heard that Clint Trickett's first kiss was Nick Saban's daughter. Ho-hum giggles. Clint Trickett, little, little bit of history on him. His father is the offensive line coach at Florida State. He transferred from Florida State when Jameis Winston basically took over. You know, looked like he was the incumbent, slash he also realized that Jacob Coker was there, and he, there just wasn't a spot for Trickett. He had an up-and-down year last year. Uh, he completed only 53% of his passes, and he had seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. But in his defense, he did play injured, and that injury caused him to miss the spring. So that percentage should go up, particularly as he continues to acclimate to Dana Holgerson's offense. Unfortunately, if Alabama is able to be gap-sound, like I said previously, it could be a tough day for Clint Trickett because he's a little dude. He is listed at 6'2", 180. And as Drew and Kerry can attest, when you're listed at 6'2", 180, you're probably 6'2", 165, soaking wet. And six one. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's you're, you're not a you're not a beast in any sense of the word. So, it, it's definitely a situation where you don't want that guy hit. He can't. You just can't do it. He, he you you won't, he won't be able to sustain. And when a quarterback can't sustain, well, then you've got huge problems. Now. I want to talk about special teams, and then we can just kind of break it down. I'll take questions from Drew and Kerry or Chad. I, I'm, I'm monitoring you, and I will listen. I will answer your questions as well. But let's do special teams real quick. Uh, the kicker is a redshirt sophomore by the name of Josh Lambert. He was great on extra points because that's difficult. But he was only 17 of 23 on field goals flat this past season. His, he, was, he, had, he really – converted short field goals very well. He only missed one inside 40, but 50 yarders just killed him like every other college kicker. So I I wouldn't really put too much stock in that. Punter is a fella named Nick O'Toole. He's a junior. He started a bunch of games and your kick returner is actually the aforementioned Mario Alford who led the team in receiving. So there are a lot of weapons on West Virginia's team. I don't think they have the horses to keep up with Alabama through four quarters. I think it'll be it'll be something where we come on the show next week and we're wailing and gnashing our teeth because Alabama couldn't really stop West Virginia consistently. But I, I don't I expect that I do I expect some growing pains from the Alabama defense and this offense has been able to consistently move the ball even if their defense is a sieve. 
But anyway, guys, uh, what questions do you have? What did I not cover? What can I expand upon? I realized my 335 explanation is a little weird. It took me a couple of times reading it to truly understand where it came from. I got one question, Thomas, and only because I'm a football nerd and I've watched almost every football movie ever made, but was there, wasn't there a version in all the right moves? Didn't they, did they not use the 335 stack to try to stop that team they lost to? I believe so. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, but, it's, it's funny that I would remember something that goofy, but I do remember him working on a 335 stack to try to stop the team's opposing run. And that would seem weird to have a fifth defensive back against a running team, but it just seemed like something that stuck in my head. Absolutely. And just to back up your point about the 335 and stopping, it's a chance defense. One of right. The, it's, it's, a, it's one of the points that was made in the explanation. There's a, again, there's a big explanation on Grantland. But one of the points that was made is it's a lot of coaches properly reading the situation and taking chances. Right. With a slant or a stunt or a, or a whatever, you know, whatever the flavor of the day is. So I, I, I kind of expect a feast or famine type thing for the Alabama offense, particularly in the run game. Alabama is either going to rip off 20-yard chunks or they're going to lose a yard or two. I will say, God help West Virginia trying to tackle <laughs> West, trying to tackle Derrick Henry. They're just, oh, man. You know, I'm, again, oh, they're that, just that so to a lot of people, Thomas. Well, yeah, but – you look at you look at the LSU's. LSU's got these big old boys that are built to stop big guys. West Virginia is a bunch of little guys. I'm sorry, they're, they're just they're little guys. I feel sorry for them because it's just like, what, what? Did you see what he did to Oklahoma? You have worse athletes in Oklahoma that are smaller. That's how I look at that whole situation. But I, I do think it's going to be a great debut for Alabama. I think Alabama will win convincingly, but will come out of it as a fan base. And, again, I will probably say this next week. I think it will be a good learning win in terms of gelling and seeing things and going through the rigors of preparing because West Virginia is a different duck than anything Alabama has seen over the past couple of years in terms of defense and then in some of their offensive tendencies. So it's a really good starter, even if Alabama is favored by 28. So at least that's my opinion. <laughs> I don't personally think Alabama's going to cover it. Why don't we all give our score predictions? I'm going 38-14, Bama. 38-14. Thomas? I'm going to go 41-14. I think right in there, it'll be one of those things where Alabama's comfortably ahead, and by like halfway through the fourth quarter, the wailing and gnashing of teeth on Twitter will be, oh, well, we need to do this better when we're complaining about a 30-win. You know, <laughs> Drew, score? Yeah, what you got? Very, very close to Kerry Clark, 38-13, Bama. Wow, that is close. Well, I propose that uh, we take a two- or three-minute break, Thomas, because we do have a caller that's about to call any second, but uh, that is calling Big C. McGuire, friend of the show. And, uh, you know, those older guys need to take care of some business. And so we could, uh, we could have a little bit of a break. Uh I want to say one more thing, though, before we take the break. And I think uh, and I think it was something that Thomas, he didn't touch on it, but I think the kid could get a lot of reps, and that's to watch Russell Shell, the, the, the transfer running back from Pitt. I think he's very talented, and he will probably uh, play uh, quite a bit, as much as the starter at running back for West Virginia. Looking at their two deep, he's listed as third, but that could have Wow, been. okay. 
That, it shocked me, too. Uh, that's why I didn't touch on it. I was like, oh, okay. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. All right. Well, good good first uh, hour and few minutes of the show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a, with a guest caller at that time. It's uh, currently seven minutes after the hour. You're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone app store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide, all the time. Bye. 
It is 12 minutes. Wow, just changed. 12 minutes after the hour. And uh, we are uh, here on BAMS Radio. You're listening to it with Kerry Clark. That's me. BAMAMag.com. We have Drew DeArmond uh, from AlabamaIntel.com. We have Thomas Watts from uh, Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And now I'm going to bring on a longtime friend of mine, second-time caller to the show, but we hope he'll make it a regular habit. Uh, newest Mute your mic, Drew. Newest member of the Internet TV community, uh, debuting this Saturday morning at www.jockjive.com. The show is called Talking Bama with Big C, and his first guest is Tommy Bowden, who ironically played at West Virginia and was an assistant coach at Alabama before moving on and becoming the head coach that Alabama put out of the business a few years ago (laughs) in Atlanta. And uh yeah. Big C, what's going on, man? Not enough. We just well no, there's a lot going on doing that and uh and then, as you know I've got a radio show and I hope you're able to be on Friday morning on my show. Uh can you do that while we're talking? <laughs> I, I can do it, but you need to explain to me how you found somebody to put your ugly ass on T V. <laughs> the owner of that radio on, station man. named Robert Williamson, he's got a internet site called jockjive.com. And, you know, I came up, I talked to him, and we all, he and a guy named James Crenshaw, and all of us came up with the idea to do a show about Alabama football, since you know a lot, as you know, I'm, I know a little about it. Uh, a little bit. Came you up do, that. Man. again. Yeah, you sure I'm do. Sorry, I mean, you got. You, you uh you uh you this is Drew Armand, I apologize, but you do you know a lot and you uh you've been through a lot and you know you've you've uh, come in contact with a lot of Alabama legends over the years. Well yeah, that's and thank Big you. C, uh, Big C put a book out a while back, uh Drew. I, I actually had a copy of it at some point. Big C wow. put a trivia question book out just about Alabama football. So you're right, he knows. He's a he's a published yep. author, he's a radio host, about to be a TV host. Uh, some sometime down the road in the next year or so, he's going to be a husband. He's got a lot going on, Big C. <laughs> yeah, we do certainly do. But uh, and one idea was to interview somebody that had a connection with Alabama, but also a connection with uh, their team. So I mean, we're going to going to have several. What I might what I'll do is I'll call every week now for sure and sort of give you a preview who the person who I'll be talking to. We have already gone ahead and did the interviews, but we'll have you on the show, though. Uh, But Tommy Bowden was the first one because of his connections there with Alabama and West Virginia. And we'll have a trivia question. Uh, I'll ask you to end the show. I'll answer what it is. It's uh, all kind of stuff. And, I mean, even got some ex-players that will be on the show, too. So it's going to be... Uh, something interesting. If we, if we don't get an ex-coach that played or coached at Alabama or whatever, we'll get a player that was uh, heavily involved in one of those games. So it was in one. But anyway, I'll, each week, week what I do, I sort of give you a little preview, and then y'all can uh, and we can let them know what uh, when to get it on. But it'll be on Saturday morning at as Kerry said, www.jockjive.com. Who is this guy y'all were talking about? The running back, back up, running back from Pittsburgh that y'all thought might be playing a lot for West Virginia. I've never heard of him before. Rochelle Shell. He was a big recruit a couple of years ago, and uh, he I, he signed with Pitt. True, is that right? 
he did, he did he did sign with Pitt. He spent most of his fresh or he spent his freshman year there. Played quite a bit. I think he was either their leading rusher or second leading rusher. I think he rushed for about 600 yards. Then he he, he said he was going to transfer. Then actually tried to come back to the team and uh, was not welcome back. And so uh, was told to transfer. So I think there was a lot of personality conflicts there. I think he was kind of considered a selfish player. And so he ended up at West Virginia. I think he was at first going to transfer to Arizona State. Something came up with that. I think he was going to follow his head coach who had recruited him to Pittsburgh. And then he he thought about following him to ASU. But there was some issues there. And so uh, he tried to come back to Pitt was told not to return, and ends up at one of their rivals at West Virginia. That's very interesting. Um, I noticed uh, talking about West Virginia has changed the defense to a 3-3-5. Is that, is that what I understand? That is true. And uh, I'm sorry you couldn't hear, the. Uh, I guess, the last 15 minutes of the previous hour. But uh, Thomas Watts, our producer, was kind of breaking that down on how it works and all. And he, one of the points that Thomas made, and he can correct me if I didn't hear him right, but uh, it, it's a it's a good defense to break in some new offense, offensive linemen against. That's what I think, yes. You're absolutely right, Kerry. Not only because there's only three down linemen, but because uh, some of those guys are sort of undersized, Big C. Well, I you know, if you remember – there was a SEC championship game this past December, and the, uh, one of the teams tried to stop Auburn with – the opposing team tried to stop Auburn with a three-man line, and uh, what's his name got 304 yards rushing that day. Trey Mason, yes. It did not go too yeah, well. Yeah, it sure did. Missouri that day. That was an old-fashioned out to the woodshed butt-whipping. Yep. Yeah, so, I, uh, but anyway, uh, talking about, talk about Alabama – I guess everybody and their brother's worried or concerned or, or uh, wondering about the quarterback situation. But, I mean, my opinion on that is I'm, Saban knows what he's doing, so if he thinks one guy's better than the other one, that's fine with me. Well, I agree. I'm, I'm sorry, Kerry. Go ahead. I, you, you can give your no, I just I, I think that uh, we've kind of come to the conclusion that for the first series of downs at least, and probably the first several series of downs this Saturday is going to be Blake Sims. But it's going to have to shake itself out. Um, Drew Drew can give you a little more in-depth on, on how it may differ between now and the Ole Miss game. Well, you know, Big C, this is the way I look at it. I think that, you know, Blake has earned his opportunity through his work, through it, through working with a QB coach in the spring and the, in the summer. He's improved. He's grinded. And now, you know, he took advantage of the situation of Jake Coker not being able to go through spring, only being here for four months. And, he, you know, he's been there four years, played quarterback the last two to three, knows the offense backwards and forwards. Uh, and because, because even though they've had three coordinators, the scheme has not changed, only just a certain concept. And I think, you know, he's comfortable in the offense. He's a good leader. The, the players gravitate to him. They want – this is the key. The players want to see Blake Sims get a chance. He's going to get the opportunity. Could he take the ball and run with it? Absolutely. But I do think it's telling that uh, they're they're splitting reps in practice and in the scrimmages, and that Jake Coker in only four months' time has you know put this much pressure on him. And you know everybody really thought he was going to start. He has he's not going to start right away. But I do think he fits Alabama's offense to a T from a pro style perspective. Lane Kiffin called him like an NFL free agent uh, on signing day. 
So I just think he, he's a guy that they think long-term could be the quarterback, but they're going to see how much Blake Sims has improved and if he can sustain. And I think he'll get, uh, I agree with Kerry, the first several series. And if Alabama's rolling offensively, he'll get most of the playing time. And I think Jake will play some, but Blake will get most of the playing time. But it's going to play itself out over uh, the next three games, in my opinion. And by the time the Florida Gators come to Bryant-Denny Stadium with the best defense by far that Alabama may see the entire regular season, I think Alabama will have a quarterback and have a set plan. Yeah. Um, now, West Virginia, now, I noticed they got 19 starters coming back, but, mm-hmm. but you know, the defense wasn't too good last year, and I understand they got a new coordinator plus them switching the defense. I, and, you, and, Pierre, you said that they're undersized on the defensive line. Is that what, I under, what you said? Yeah, just to clarify, they got 14 starters coming back. Yeah. Oh, 14 instead of 19. And one of them is suspended, so you might as well say 13 for our game. Yeah, they get yeah, okay. that defense back, Big C. But, again, like you said, Big C, uh, you were very – you're correct. Uh, they're undersized, and I, I think their personnel is not what it needs to be. Tom Bradley from Penn State, who was there a million years, is their new defensive coordinator. I think he's – Thomas could, could verify this. I think he's their fourth defensive coordinator in four years. But, I mean, he's he's a guy that Alabama's familiar with. They've coached against Penn State recently. They're not going to do anything Alabama's not seen. Now, now, Thomas is right. They're probably going to take a lot of chances. And when you do that, you give up big plays. And I think you're going to see Alabama, especially in the running game, make some chunk plays with the uh, – with thunder, lightning, and crazy legs come Saturday. Uh, crazy legs, I'm assuming, is Harry Henry, right? No, that's Wait, Kenyon that's Drake. Drake. Kenyon Drake. That's oh. the quickest speech you're ever going to lay eyes on. Uh-huh. Thunder legs, I like that. <laughs> I know, I know. Thunder is Yeldon. Lightning is Henry. Crazy legs is Drake. Okay, all right. That's how it goes. Okay. Well, i got to say one thing. Got to be the on paper right now. It looks like that could be the best three uh, command combination of running backs in the history of the school up there. It looks like to me, or could be. Well, I don't, if you throw the wishbone in there, maybe not. But it's it's up there. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Here, I've got to say this. I know he was fumbling a lot back in that time period. But when you go back in the annals of time and you look at two thousand. Uh, and you look at 2009 and 2010, when you had – and I know they weren't all playing, especially the third one at the time, but when you have Mark Ingram, Trent, and Eddie Lacy, that's going to be hard to beat. I mean, those guys, yeah. all three of them are great players. You know, you had one won the Doak, one won the Heisman, the other one was a BCS MVP. I mean, that's three great players. I know one of them's only, yeah, one of them so far has done well in the pros. But I still think Trent can be a good back in the NFL. Sometimes even running backs take a while to get rolling. And Mark Ingram has been tremendous this preseason. But I think uh, now, if you talk about it at the same time, all three of these guys playing, you, I, you can make that point, especially if Kenyon has finally got his head screwed on straight because you could argue that he's the most talented one, and that's pretty stunning when he's third on the depth chart. Yep, yep. Well, um, the defensive line uh... – how do y'all see it? it? It looks like potentially it could be a lot better than it was last year, and hopefully it could be really good down the road. What do y'all think? I'll let Kerry take that first. 
The defensive line for this game, uh, the depth chart was released based on play and a hurry-up, no-huddle offense. So the depth chart shows Ashawn Robinson uh, at nose guard, mm-hmm. who's naturally uh, a nose guard in my opinion, but plays mostly end against the bait in the base defense. The defense, the, the depth chart also shows uh, DJ Petway starting at one of the ends. Uh, he returned from a one-year hiatus in junior college, got back in the good graces, out of the doghouse. It's been a model citizen since he got back to town. And I think D.J. Petway is going to be one of the top three or four sack men in the SEC this year. Uh, at the other end, you have co-starters. You have Jonathan Allen, who played great as a freshman last year, and you have Dalvin Thomason, who was in the playing rotation and played well against Virginia Tech before he got hurt. And Dalvin Thomason... Is, is going to be a force. And uh, there's there's people I'm not even mentioning. Jaron Reed is an outstanding backup player. Derek, uh, Brandon Ivory has started a lot of games at Alabama, and if we were playing a running team this week, like LSU or Tennessee, Brandon Ivory might be the starting nose guard. And Darren Lake is arguably the strongest kid on the team in the weight room. He's very good against the run. Uh, and, and I probably uh, – Tim Williams is still kind of getting his way back into the good graces. I don't think Tim is going to play – until about the third or fourth game is then. But the, the talent and the depth on the defensive line is, uh, is at a level I haven't seen in several years in Tuscaloosa, Drew. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think they're three deep. There's even been a lot of rumors today, uh, not, none substantiated, by the way. This, this always seems to happen before the first game about someone transferring. And today it was D-liner because D is you know third team at best, but a very talented player. I think has a bright future, but he's behind NFL guys. He's behind Sean when he's at end. Then you've got Trey Dupree. I mean, you've got uh, what I meant to say was Jonathan Allen, and then you've got DJ Petway, is who I was going to say. And those, that, that right now, that will probably be your starting three right there. And then you've got a very talented freshman in Deshaun Hand who's already forced his way into the depth chart. Uh, and then you've got uh, Joshua Frazier, who's, the, in my opinion, the nose guard of the future, Coach Saban was very high on him today. And then Darren Lake and Brandon Ivory, two experienced guys who are not super playmakers, but solid guys at nose. And then you've still got, as I said, D-liner, but he's, he's just behind some very, very talented players and some guy, and, and he's behind Dalvin Tomlinson. And Dalvin is a very good pass rusher. He doesn't get a lot of pub because nobody has seen him since Virginia Tech last year in the first game, but he had four tackles in that game and flashed as a pass rusher. So that's why D is no better than third team because, you know, your top four DNs are very good players in John Allen, DJ Petway, Dalvin Tomlinson, and, and really in some certain, and, and then really Ashawn Robinson. And then you got, and you take into account Jaron Reed, who, I still think may not play against uh, West Virginia, but is a very good junior college transfer. So it's just right now D-Liner needs to be patient because he'll be a good player at Alabama, but he may have to wait his turn. Big C, uh, I know you've got to go on the air tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, so at some point you've got to go to bed. But before we let you go, you told us a couple of great stories last time you were on the show, but one I didn't ask you about, and I wanted to let you tell the audience. Tell the audience uh, what happened when Coach Bryant found out you were in the hospital prior to one of the bowl games. Oh, okay. I I got extremely ill uh, two days before Christmas. This was uh, eight day, no, nine days before playing Penn State in the Sugar Bowl, and I had to go to ICU. It had a thing. It was an atrial fib deal. Is what happened. But later on, found out what it was. But anyway, 
So I'm in ICU for two days, and then finally on Christmas Day, I get moved into another room. And then on the following day, I get this card, uh, you know, at the hospital. And the thing I thought, looking back on it, it was cool as I'll get out. And this is true. You know, they said that Coach Bryant would put his name on, on the on the return address and wouldn't put, put uh, you know, put it like he put Bryant there. He didn't have a return address because everybody knew who that was. The card, I pull it out, and this is what it said. Big C, you're too tough to be down long. Needless to say, we hope and pray that we'll be you'll be back with us soon. We need you. Sincerely, Paul Bryant. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Awesome. He's lifted my spirits. Please. Yes. Yeah, I'd have that frame somewhere, Big C. I hope. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Big C. We appreciate you calling. It's in a school uh, book on the air. I know that. Okay. But anyway, now that we, was uh, the, the, the something you know. A lot of people thought of him as a very mean man, and he was pretty tough. I ain't going to deny that. But he did have a good. He had a soft side to him too. That could but he, he was a guy in charge right now. Yes. Say again. Very true. Yeah, it could that be could something they said about the guy that's running things uh, down there right now. Nick Saban, absolutely. Oh yeah, he's tough too, too. He's, I, you know, I, I, you know, everybody's trying to compare them too. I just think we need to wait until after Saban retires down there, and that's when you need to start recruit. I mean, uh, re- comparing them. Now, I will, will say this. Now, I'm gonna contradict myself in this. Like from a from a recruiting standpoint, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's been better at saving than that. And <laughs> evaluating talent, no. like no, but I mean, the that's, changed a lot since Coach Brown was doing it. Oh yeah, well you got the guys are so much bigger now. And like you look back when he was coaching there, well you know like I'll give y'all an example. Y'all got a second or two to talk, uh, for me to say anything else. But like the late great Billy Neighbors, I talked to him on my show after. We played Texas in '09 or '10, however you want to call it. You know, after that '09 season, and he said the '61 team, if you could play them both ways, could might match up with the '09 team. But if they had to play one way, so there was no way they could do it. I mean, because they're bigger and faster and stronger. And you know, the back then they were so tip-top condition, but you know, the linemen they got now is like. They don't play the big one. They're so big that they can't play more than 20 or 30 snaps a game. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why Saban does all this recruiting and trying to get so many big linemen that they're good enough that they can move them in and out. It's a great point. Uh, it's a great point. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you calling Big C, and uh, feel free to call us back uh, every week if you want to uh, preview your show coming up that Saturday. But, uh until we hear from you again, until I talk to you on your show Friday morning, roll tide, man. Roll tide. Roll tide. Thank y'all. It was fun talking to y'all. All right. Well, call us back. Always, always love you, man. Thanks, Next buddy. week, Grand uh, That sounds good. All right. Okay. Uh, i tell you what. Uh, we've had uh, – well, you know, Thomas, you have drops you can play. But uh, we would like to uh, thank – our uh, recent association with uh, Bama Sports Radio, and 
that has uh, increased the listenership of BAMS Radio by like a thousand something people a week, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Bama Sports Radio is a wonderful app. You can get it at the App Store on your smartphone, and it will allow you access to some form of podcast regarding University of Alabama sports 24-7. Uh, they may run some of them more than once. That's fine. But they have an interesting variety of shows. They have a show that's being done by uh, frequent BAMS guest, John Garcia, Jr. Uh, it's called Crimson and Blue Chips, uh, where he and Kirk McNair talk about the upcoming game, and then John breaks down recruiting with various guests and recruits. John's had some of the same uh, guests that we've had on this show, such as Anthony Jennings uh, and Keaton Anderson and a few others. But uh, – they have a ton of other shows, too. Uh, that's Bama Sports Radio. It's an app on your smartphone, and we are very, very happy to be part of that family of podcasts and shows. Uh, it, we, we feel like it's, it's a good partnership. I'm glad we thought of it, and I'm glad that John Garcia was able to give us their contact information that allowed Thomas Watts to reach them and, and, and bring the deal to fruition very, very quickly. So uh, go to the... Uh, the app store on your smartphone and download Bama Sports Radio so you can listen to us anytime you want to without having to go to our website and also so you can listen to other Bama-related podcasts. I mean, it's really, really a great thing. Uh, no Bama fan's smartphone is complete without it. That's Bama Sports Radio. We are so, so glad to be part of that family. Is that a good plug, Thomas? You're golden. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I am. And Drew is silver. <laughs> Drew is silver himself. And uh, you know, Drew has really helped us. You know, this last year, and he started out as a caller, and then he got promoted by Bird to a host, and went to the mailbox one day and found out he had an Alesis, uh headset and uh, and box to hook up to his laptop, and all of a sudden, Drew and me get to sit in our uh, respective uh, homes and uh, be radio host two hours a week, and we love it. And uh, Drew, we have we're the glad best to producer have you. in the business. Hell yeah, our producer kicks ass, takes names, and uh, the wizard Thomas Watts. Yes, <laughs> or Bird calls him the Rock, but I have a hard time calling another man that. But uh, <laughs> Tom, Thomas Watts is a great, it's great at what he does. And you know what? It, it's really good that that we got into the season because Thomas is a good announcer too, and. Uh, he was actually calling this show long before I was, and his uh, his weekly breakdowns of the opponent are, are really a highlight every week because you get insight in that 20, 25 minutes of this show every week. You're going to get insight in the team that Bama's playing that, I, frankly, you won't find anywhere else. And the West Virginia was just the tip of the iceberg, but I thought you did a great job, Thomas. Well, I appreciate it. I will say this one was a little awkward because I only really had a depth chart and a couple of little bits of information. But next week, uh, obviously, we're not going to the same caliber opponent, but I'll watch the game and have some film to break down and see what I see, and we'll, we can talk about that for sure. And I'm quite sure you'll watch some Florida Atlantic film as well. Lucky me. <laughs> well, you know. No, no really. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, and I think the show is just going to keep getting better. You know, I, we've enjoyed the callers tonight. We've already seen more callers. We haven't even had our number one caller who's probably listening to us right now. He has not called in yet to, to have to chime in with his observations and questions. And I know he's anxious, as we all are, to get the season started. Uh, you know, everybody wants to see how the team reacts, how they line up. 
I still think if you, I agree with Tom's 100% and you, Kerry. I think it's a bad matchup for West Virginia. I do think, you know, they're going to come out guns blazing and, you know, empty the playbook. But I think Alabama's – I'm anxious to see the defense, actually. I think they're going to – I think they'll get enough stops against West Virginia. I do think they'll give up some plays. But I think even if Eddie Jackson does not play, Coach Saban said today he could play. I thought he might see a handful of snaps, but he may not be. Hopefully he will not be needed. But I'm anxious to see the cornerbacks and how, you know, Cyrus Jones and Bradley Sill perform in a real football game. And I'm anxious to see the, uh, that too, Drew. But I'm really, I'm really curious as to how the rotation is going to play out at corner and safety, especially when they get in the nickel and the dime. I'm really right. curious to see specifically what, uh, what role Nick Perry plays in, in this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see that as well. I think he could see a lot of his time in the dime. If Geno Smith is healthy, I would, see, I'd, I'd, I would say we'd see him at free safety. But it's hard to say because, you know, he, uh, Gino has missed the last, most, most of the last two weeks. He's practiced most of this week, but he's had, you know, an issue uh, with a sprained knee. So, and a lot of people thought he might even be the nickelback before he was injured, and you would see Jarek Williams at free safety. But the good part about that is I think Gino is comfortable enough mentally. And then with Nick Perry and Jarek Williams being fifth-year seniors, you're talking about people that can play three different spots. I think all those guys can play free safety uh, strong and strong safety and uh, the nickel, and even the dime. You can even I think, yeah, I said I think they can play four. I think they can uh, probably play four spots back there, and I think that's the strength because there's a lot. Of, and, as, and as Nick Perry said yesterday, he said uh, of uh, his teammate Landon Collins, he's basically the commander back there right now. He, he's the one. He's got complete command of the playbook. And, I, and he's the most talented guy. But I think what sets Landon apart, guys, and sometimes you don't see this of guys of his talent level, is he plays 110 miles per hour every snap. I mean, oh, he, he plays brings, hard every he snap. Does bring, he brings the wood. Uh, listen, uh, bring the pain. Daniel, if you're listening, call us back. We're sorry we couldn't get to you while Big C was rambling. That's partly my fault. But bring the pain. Please call us back. We will be on for almost another half hour. Meanwhile, uh, Marty was paying attention, Drew. Marty, <laughs> you are on with BAMS Radio. What is up, Marty? Hey, guys. Great show as usual, I'll tell you. Uh, it's not long now. You, you can just feel it. You can just feel it in the air. I'm getting excited every day more and more. Can't wait till Saturday. I, I can't wait for Thursday night just to get to watch some decent football. It, it'll be something special, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of looking to forward to that. Rolling, Marty. I, I'm doing a high school game. I'll be doing the Mountain Brook Spartans and the Huntsville Panthers. But we'll be watching uh, the update in Twitter with with much interest to see if the Believer, as it was launched last night, can uh, beat Texas A&M. I, I, I believe that Texas A&M is going to spank that butt. I, I believe they're well, going to bring it to South Carolina. I don't think so. I think South Carolina's going to run for about 300 yards. Well, I will, let me say this before Marty, Marty's question about Steve Spurrier. He is a great football coach. He, there's no doubt about that. But I, I disagree with the people that say he's a legend in coaching. I think he's a very, very good, great football coach, but he is not a Mount Rushmore coach. And the reason he is not is because, I, y'all will answer this, how many undefeated seasons has he had? Uh, yeah, how and many national, national championships? And how many national? Won? Only one. With all the talent that he's had at Florida, and yes, he resuscitated Duke. 
That's why he's a great coach. And, yes, he has resuscitated South Carolina, but he has not won the SEC. The only time he got to the championship game, he lost by 40. And so that's the way I look at it. I think he's a great football coach, but he's not a Mount Rushmore kind of guy because he has not been able to cash in. on With Florida, he, re, he actually he really did revolutionize the league as far as passing the football, but he could never, except for one time, and he lost it. He, he was fortunate to get a rematch with FSU like Bama was against LSU, but he could never cash in and win the national championship because they always lost to an inferior opponent. Just like, guys, remember what happened in 2010 when he beat Alabama and Garcia played the game of his life. What happened the next week? That's that ass beat. By who? Well, he's, he might be he might be I a Stone Mountain in Lexington. Oh. He's not a Rushmore coach. He might be a Stone Mountain coach if they put up the four guys on horses that were the top coaches <laughs> in the SEC history. But he's he's not a Rushmore. Uh, and, I, you know, Spurrier, I'll be honest with y'all, y'all guys uh, – that's who I want to play in the Georgia Dome in December because he runs that trap so much about saving. I want South Carolina to be our opponent in the SEC championship game. I really do. I would like to see that as well, Kerry, and that's who I predicted. Well, and I do think they'll beat Texas A&M. I do too. I, I, A&M don't have a defense, Marty. A&M runs the hot butter defense. You run through it like a, without a knife. But uh, <laughs> I, I know you got some more of Alabama questions, Marty. Well I, well, I got something I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, you know, since Trey DePriest is not going to be out on the field, Reuben Foster getting his uh, debut as, as a starter. I'm really looking forward to see, you know, how far he's come along since last year. You know, him and Dylan Lee. I, I, I'm really excited about watching those two two guys go. Yeah, I think we talked about this at the very top of the first hour, but I think Dylan Lee is going to play a lot this game because he's a better inside linebacker in coverage than – not necessarily than DePriest is, but he's better in coverage than Hamilton is. He's better in coverage than Reuben is. And Reggie is really good in coverage. I think you're going to see Reggie Ragland and, and, and Dylan Lee out there together a whole lot Saturday. Maybe not the first series, but I think those two are going to play together a lot at the inside this week. And I, I think you, I agree with that. And then when they go to the dime, you're going to see Jarek at the money. And then you'll see uh, it'll be five defensive backs and really six. But I think you're right. I think that the linebacker in those formations, the one linebacker, I think that'll even be Dylan Lee. I think they're very confident in Dylan Lee's mental capabilities and his coverage capabilities. And to me, somebody asked me the other day about a breakout player. I could see Dylan Lee having a breakout performance Saturday, Kerry. Fair, fair. Uh, that, that, that could happen. Uh, he, he could play the game of his life Saturday and then turn around and sit out for Atlantic because of his off-season DUI. We just, don't, we just don't know how that's going to shake out. I don't know if he's completely out of the doghouse or if he's still going to have to serve a game. And I'll say the same for Jaron Reed, Drew. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. All right, Marty, uh, anything else for us? I do. Uh, Yeldon, y- y- y'all guys think that Yeldon's going to be the Russian leader in Alabama history? You think he's going to break over that 1,000-yard season this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to make another prediction. I, I, I think Alabama, I think Henry and Yeldon will break 1,000 yards this year, and I think you could see Kenyon get twelve to 1,300 all-purpose. I think it's going to be a three-headed monster. I think it's going to be a, an offense that's centric on the running game because of the inexperience at quarterback. Uh, I do think they will still throw the football, but this is going to be a 2008-2009 a type football team where they're going to pound the rock and then play action. 
and uh, hope the quarterbacks can minimize their mistakes. And I think except the one difference you're going to see offensively, and Lane Kiffin will bring this, is they will get the backs even more involved in the passing game. And then especially here, I think you're going to see uh, an emphasis really uh, on uh, I could see, especially with Blake Sims, if he does start and keep the job with the zone read package and using his mobility a lot. It's hard to believe, though, that Yeldon, as being a junior, could break the all-time rushing record at Alabama. That's just it's phenomenal to think about that, of the, of, of the player well, that's come through this university. It's unreal. Yeah, well, Marty, I will say this. And the, one, the, the main reason he's got a chance to break that record is because guys like Mark Ingram left a year early, and then the biggest reason Bobby Humphrey only played a, like a game or two of his senior year before breaking his foot and going in the supplemental draft. And that's no disrespect to, uh, to, to the record Yeldon could have and that Sean Alexander has held. But I just think really that's the reason that those records are within earshot because Bobby Humphrey could have put it away. Uh, for a, It would have been very, very hard to break. Well, and I got how about J.J. Yeldon could break the record and not even be the leading rusher on the team this year? That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would definitely give the talking head something to talk about. You know, I got a big question. You know, Kiffin's going to be on the sideline, right? Calling plays, that's what they're saying? That's right. Well, let me ask you this. Is he going to be on the sidelines at Tennessee game? Yep. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Those troopers that protect Saban might be doing double duty that day. Well, they're going to do put a kind of a canvas over their heads, you know, while they're sitting on the sideline. I, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see that. Well, I just want to beat Tennessee because I want to, I, I, especially this year, Marty, I'd, li- I'd like to really jack them like they've been beating them. Because it's going to just rub them. Uh, we will see some epic YouTube videos if Lane Kiffin puts a beat down on Tennessee and Knoxville, and uh, they they will not take it very well. And it would be eight in a row in the series. And I'm not, it's something that I hope out we see and we should because Tennessee has got some young talent, but they're rebuilding both lines of scrimmage, and it's not going to be a real good matchup on paper for the Vol Army. Here's a stat drop for you, Marty and Drew. Tennessee is the only program in the country, FBS level, to have no returning starters on the offensive and the defensive line. Scary wow. thing. <laughs> well, I can, I can just yep. see all those big old wads of chewing tobacco raining down on Kiffin on the sideline. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine it. Uh, you know, we got we got a shootout at the OK Corral. Maybe this is going to get our college football weekend off to a great start because we've got a game on ESPN tonight, and it's going down to the final play. If uh, Georgia State, the fighting Bill Currys, uh, of course, now he's now retired, but if he does, if they kick this field goal here on the final play, they're going to win this thing 38-37 over Who Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian oh. in the Georgia Dome. The Georgia Dome is going to be very busy for the next uh, several days. There must be 500-something people there tonight. <laughs> Probably so, not a big crowd, but the crowd will be much bigger tomorrow night, Kerry Clark. Well, it will hey, be I got for a, Ole Miss and Boise. Yep, that's correct. Go ahead, Marty. I got I to uh, make a shout-out for that BAM Sports Radio, man. I tell you what, I was traveling Friday, and, uh, you know, of course, the only thing I have against, I hope they're working on an app for the Android device and sending just all for Apple. But, but anyway, right. I was able to get in on TuneIn Radio and, and be able to do it. 
on their on their app. I tell you what, that is a quality little program right there. I, I got to listen to all of those. I mean, I got to listen to Bams again, which was excellent quality. Then all those shows while I was on the road, it was very entertaining. Man, I I, I, I encourage anybody out there that's listening. You know, go to, if you got an Android device, go to TuneIn Radio, down, go to Bams uh, Sports Radio, and download that. And man, I tell you what, it'll keep you entertained for sure. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. All right, Marty, you heading over Saturday, Marty? I'm not going to be able to. I am not going to be able to. So he that will probably be, be a fun one to go to. But. Glued to his TV. Oh, of course. Uh, well, i tell you what, guys. Great show tonight. You know, I'm looking forward to next week because we'll really have something to talk about. I'm telling you. Oh, it, yes. It's going to be exciting. Yes, we will. Uh, yep. Guys, we'll, y'all we'll have a good night. We'll be there. Broke it down with DVR. <laughs> well, y'all well, have a good you, night, man. And, and take care and roll tide, guys. Roll, roll tide, party. Speaking of Roll Tide, another one of our veteran colleagues is on hold. Bring the pain. You're on with Carrie and Drew at Banners Radio. How's it going on, fellas? Hey, Bring the Pain. How you doing, man? Thanks for calling back. Uh, you're welcome. I figured I'd hang up when the guy was talking. I enjoyed the conversation, though. Oh, yeah. We've had some good calls tonight. And What do you want to talk about tonight via the Tide? Hey, I was going to ask a couple of questions, and it's referring to our defense and our offense. Do you think our defense and our offense is going to be better this year and more well organized than last year on both sides of the ball? Well, I don't think organization was really the problem last year, uh, Brendan Payne. You know, we were 12-0. and We were, you know, one, one good, you know, one good half away from playing for the SC championship and against the Auburn Tigers and did not play a very good second half and, and missed on some opportunities in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I think they're going to be better defensively. I think that the pass rushes are going to be better. I think the cornerbacks and the secondary are going to be better because it's a very experienced group at safety and a talented group at corner that's going to have more experience. Um, I think with Bo Davis, and Kevin Steele now back on the defensive staff, and Kirby Smart back in a better place for him, in my opinion, coaching safeties. I think you'll see the communication be better in the secondary. I think uh, you'll see the defense be uh, be better. I think play at a higher level. And that's that's the, the main thing I think they needed. They needed a better pass rush. They needed improved secondary play. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, actually they, they put up a lot of great numbers under Nussmeyer both years, won a national championship. Last year I just think there was a disconnect there. A little bit, the play calling got a little vanilla. I think they didn't take full advantage of some situations, didn't get the playmakers the ball enough, such as O.J. Howard and such as Amari Cooper until later in the season. Of course, Cooper had some issues, but still, I don't think they touched the ball enough. And, of course, hopefully with Coach, you know, Burton Burns has been emphasizing it so much, hopefully, you know, uh, T.J. Yeldon and King and Drake are over their fumbling issues. That, hurt, that really hurt them in certain situations. But I think uh, they have a chance if the quarterback uh, position plays itself out, they do have a chance to be a better football team on both sides of the ball. Um, it's just that the QB is huge, and I think Nick Saban, that's what he's most concerned about. The quarter, Somebody taking the reins at QB and running with it, But because I, I think he likes the rest of his football team. I definitely think if uh, he'll have some growing pains, but if J.K. Scott can, uh, can really get rolling at punter, I really like what I've seen out of Adam Griffith this fall. I think they'll be better in the special teams area as well. 
Well, that that's that's going to be good to see because what I've been reading from Bleacher's report, they said that uh, one of the issues that we could face was that cornerback. Still, will would that still be an issue, or will Marlon Humphrey and Tony step up to their role and be a leader? Well, I think Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey are going to be counted on to provide depth. I think they will both play, but I think the guys that you need to focus on are – when Nick Saban's had his best defense, he's always had three guys that could cover. But I think the guys you need to focus on are uh, Cyrus Jones, and hopefully he's improved as much as Nick Saban thinks he has, Bradley Sills, <laughs> pardon me, and then Eddie Jackson. I think those are the three guys to watch, and then Marlon Humphrey and Tony Brown will get better as the season goes. But I think once if all that ha- if all the improvement has happened, and then you see by midseason when Marlon and Tony are more comfortable, I think there's no question that cornerback will be a strength this season and not a question mark. And I'll let Kerry further comment. Yeah, uh, Bradley Sylvie might be the most underrated cornerback in the SEC. Uh, I think he's going to show Saturday now that he's healthy. Uh, the benefits of being coached individually by Nick Saban the last couple of years after he basically wasted a year at wide receiver his first year on campus. But Bradley Sylvie's probably the fastest guy on the team, uh, very close. Him and Tommy Brown kind of go back and forth. Uh, Cyrus Jones, according to Coach Saban, is the most improved player on the team. That being said, those two guys that are starting at corner this Saturday and not necessarily who will be starting at corner by the middle of the season. I think Tony Brown's got to watch, and then when he gets healthy, Eddie Jackson's got to watch. Um, so the cornerback position is in flux. Marlon Humphrey's going to work himself in there at some point, but the way Saban does it with a true freshman, particularly that didn't go through spring, but really a true freshman in general is he lets them learn cornerback that first year. He's not even trying to teach uh, Tony or Marlon the nickel or the dime position yet. But at some point in the future, they'll learn those. And, uh, wow, you know, by next spring, there's to be more talent on the field in that secondary than, than maybe ever. It's going to be and fun to watch. I can't wait for the game this Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And I think the defense, the pass rushes look good so far. Of course, there are some pieces uh, of the O-line that need to, you know, like Cameron Robinson, need to get experience. They need to settle in with the right, with the right guard. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I still think they're going to have a better football team this year if some things go well. Does that mean they're going to win the national championship? No, because it's very hard to do. But I think they're going to be in the mix. And I think they got to, you know, if Blake Sims can handle QB and does step up, I mean, I think he could be the missing piece because I think they have everything else offensively, including the talent, to be a good offensive line. And to be honest, I think Gary would agree with me here, but I think uh, his mobility and Jake Coker's is going to help the offensive line. I do agree with that, and uh, I hope that the offensive line doesn't make them be too mobile, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right, guys, thanks very much. And well, thank you, Bring the Pain. Appreciate your call, man. Be the man, uh-huh. Dan. We'll, we'll see, see you all in a couple of weeks. All right, All right Bam, man. Bam's Thanks, tent. Man. He knows where it's at. We'll see you yep. there. Bring the Both pain. Uh, Bring it as always from the 256, also in the uh, Quad Titties area over there. And uh, how awesome is it when you hear from the girlfriend in the first hour and the boyfriend in the second hour? I'm only here <laughs> on Bam's radio. Uh, it just keeps getting better. And you know what? We're kind of winding things down here.
Got about five minutes left in the show. I think we've covered about everything you could possibly cover regarding the Alabama football team. But, Drew, do you have any final thoughts? No, not exactly. I just think I'm anxious to see how the team reacts and how they play. Uh, you know, we, we, should, we should have some nice info tomorrow on alabamaintel.com. We were able to speak with an excellent source tonight and have some team news. I uh, hope, to, hope to find that out shortly, but we will have some nice info uh, that no one else has got, and uh, look forward to anybody checking us out. Right now we've got a, a special going on at our site for a free 30 days for anyone that signs up. Uh, they, can, they can have access to anything but the chat room and the message boards. They can read any story. Uh, they can explore the site. Uh, and then at the end of the 30 days, they can decide to stay with us uh, or uh, become a, and become a member, or you know they don't they can uh, move on. But hopefully they will want to become a member and uh, sign up for the site. But again, it's a free trial, and you don't even have to give a credit card. So just uh, try us out. We've launched a new website in the last week, and uh, we've been working out the kinks. It's much faster, much more mobile friendly, and uh, we just look forward to the future there. And then we're excited and uh, with uh, with Alabama Intel right now. And congrats on the new website and. Uh... As far as BamaMag.com goes, John Garcia has been a really busy bee, as has oh, yeah. Kurt, Kurt McNair. Uh, I know you ran into John uh, at the Hoover game, but John was all over the uh, all over. Oh, the he was all over the state, weekend. man. He, uh, he's working wow. his little tea honey off, and he, he's current, constantly updating uh, our newest feature, the Bama Big Board. So mm-hmm. you can go to BamaMag.com and check out John's daily updates on there, who's hot, who's not, who might flip, who ain't going to flip, who's thinking about flipping, who ain't made the mind <laughs> up yet. Uh, who gives a flip, who don't give a flip. All that kind of stuff is there. Uh, our uh, our producer has asked us to comment on some of the other games this weekend. Uh, Drew and I have already both agreed that we feel like that Texas A&M will lose tomorrow night to South Carolina. Drew, I personally think Ole Miss will beat Boise and Vandy will beat Temple. I agree with both of those. I think Vandy is a, that's a winnable game for the Commodores. I'm anxious to see, you know, how much different they are under under the new regiment at Vanderbilt. I was very impressed uh, with him at SEC Media Days. He did a great job as defensive coordinator at Stanford. I uh, saw some of their behind-the-scenes stuff. He's a very well-spoken guy, and I think he's going to do a solid job for the doors. But I'm also anxious to see Ole Miss. Can they finally live up to the hype? I mean, I've I've never really been that impressed with Hugh Freeze. I think he's a clown. I've said so on this show. Uh, they they talk a big game, man, but they've never won anything. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can finally play up to their capabilities. Uh, Robert Kim Dietschy's a supreme talent. Uh, you know, they've got D.T. Shackelford, who's ironically from my area at Austin High School. It's a, his sixth year of eligibility. So he's had some knee issues, but he's another guy that's been a very solid player for them. They've got a lot of defensive guys back. I saw some of their all-access. They're talking about being the best defense in America. So we'll see if they can back it up against Boise because in the past, Kerry, as you know, this would have been the type of game where if Chris Peterson were there, I would say Ole Miss was in trouble. I would agree with that. But as you astutely pointed out, he's not. Uh, I do think that LSU will beat Wisconsin, and I do think that Auburn will beat Arkansas. Yes, I, you know, I think Arkansas will give Auburn a run a little bit, but I really like Auburn in that game. I think they're going to be – their offense will be too tough for Arkansas to stop. Uh, you know, it's going to – and with Wisconsin, if anyone I, – if I had to pick a team to be upset this weekend, it would be LSU because I think Wisconsin's a veteran team that can run the football, and LSU has got so many new players 
But I think with all those young, even with all those young guys, that LSU in the second half will find a way to make some plays. I think it will be kind of high scoring, but I think LSU will win that game somewhere around the uh, 35 to, to 31 range. But I think LSU will, will, will win a close ball game. Yeah, I think Fournette goes for at least a buck 50. Uh, he might. I mean, I'm anxious to see him. But I think, you know, McGee will start, but Fournette's definitely going to play. I think Hilliard will probably be a short yardage guy. But they, they, I'm really anxious to see, you know, how uh, how Leonard Fournette does in his first game. He's a supreme talent. And also Malachi Dupree. But a lot of that's going to ter- depend on Jennings and Brandon Harris and how they play at quarterback. And I don't even know who the rest of the teams in the conference play. And I really don't care because if it was anybody worth talking about, I would know it. And so I'll just say whoever else is playing. Well, Tennessee-Utah State's kind of interesting because Utah State's got a good football team. I've had some, I've seen some people picking Utah State to upset them. Well, and Will Muschamp better damn sure beat Idaho, but I think he will. Now, going on this UT-Utah State game briefly, Chucky Keaton's the real deal. They're going to be up and down that field. That's going to be real interesting just to watch from a total outsider point of view. Well, could be, but uh, I think I'd probably rather watch paint dry. But anyway, um, it's a big weekend of games. It all starts tomorrow night on ESPN as well as the SEC Network, and uh, that, that's, that's a fair point about Tennessee. The Vols could, could be looking at an upset, but somehow I just figure they're going to pull it out just to have having more football players. That being said, uh, I think it's time to sign off on another edition of BAMS Radio. It's currently one minute after the hour. Uh, We have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, We have all three picked Alabama to win by very close, uh, not close game scores, but our scores were close to each other. We think it will be at least a two or three touchdown victory for the Tide. So for Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and for myself, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com, who will, by the way, begin my annual Friday Night Light series this Friday night with Lester Cotton and Central Tuscaloosa traveling to Brookwood. That means I get to eat at Henry's Burgers and Cream before the game in Brookwood, Alabama. <laughs> Can't wait. But that being said, you've been listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.